1: Welcome to Spirits Podcast, episode 32, The Butterfly Lovers with Linda. That's such a cute name for such a sad, sad story. It is super sad. It's it's mad tragic. <laughs> it is really bad. Uh, and it also has the benefit of being a myth that you didn't know the end of it. No. So it was really delightful to kind of watch you experience and guess like I do every week mm. about what this myth actually is. So Linda did a great job. Yes, Linda did amazing. And we're re- really excited for you to hear
2: it. But first, we got to take care of some stuff. Housekeeping. Yes, housekeeping. Let's look at the list.
1: So, welcome first and foremost to our newest patrons, Chan, Olivia, Laura, Tristan, Amanda, not me, Madeline, John, Jessica, and Kimberly, and to MCF, who upgraded to be a $10 level patron. Thank Killing you. It. Thank you. Um, and as always, to our supporting producer level patrons, Leanne Davis, Shannon Alford, Phil Fresh, Catherine Addington, Christina Rogers, and Griffin Meckleberg. Our happiest butterfly people yes happy green butterflies and not and not sad white death butterflies you'll see ideally you'll see
2: if you haven't been following us on twitter we are now on instagram and soundcloud if you listen to your podcast on soundcloud
1: you can now listen to this this thing right here on SoundCloud, you can share the playlist with all our episodes to your friends. You can you can rock out. And uh, on Sunday, when we were playing D and D hashtag Spirits D uh, with Julia, Jake, uh, Eric Silver, former guest, and Eric Schneider, uh, podcast editor, it's just a whole family of Spirits D and uh, We were putting the the campaign live on Instagram stories, so yes. you should go follow us over there at Spirits Podcast and see behind the scenes, our drinks, our setup, fan art, miss we love all of it. You're gonna see some cool shit that you normally wouldn't see by this. Audience audio medium. Multimedia magic.
2: Amanda, I want to talk about this week. What are we consuming? What are we enjoying? What's up? Stuff We Like to? Corner.
1: Yes. So I am, number one, listening to our mutual friend, Zach Valenti's new daily podcast. It's so good, guys. It is so good. Focused AF.
2: It's like focused just getting
1: to spend the day with Zach Valenti and everyone should want to do that. I mean, I want to do that every day. Yes. And I mean, the, the days that I do, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But the days that I don't, I can listen to the podcast. I know. It's He's really great. He's doing a daily podcast, which is just a, a amazing, amazing output, and B he's actually really good at podcasting. Oh, he is! So it's you know great audio, very cool. It's cool just like here, New York, represented through someone else. I don't know, it, it's awesome. So that's my recommendation for this week. All okay, right, cool. Um, my recommendation for this week is a show on Sci-Fi Channel. It's also on
2: Netflix uh, called Winona Earp.
1: Uh, how do you spell that?
2: <laughs> uh, w Y n-o-n-n-a space yep e-a-r-p awesome um and it's the about roger. it is a roger. <laughs> it is a roger it is amazing it is about a woman who turns 27 and a curse comes upon her it's like western and supernatural and whoa. there's demon fighting and there's a dude who's ageless and it's amazing and there's witches whoa and i'm amazed uh, it that just, i'm only hearing about this right now it's really good and there's like Adorable pie people And just like Oh god it's Sweet. so good And like women Owning up to their sexuality And not being slut shamed And it's so great And I love Man, it so much That's all a girl and wants And like also dealing With like PTSD And like really Like impressive issues For
1: a sci-fi show It's awesome Awesome uh, One of my favorite things About the show Elementary Which I am like Such a huge fan of Is their like nuanced Depiction of recovery And friendship And addiction And forgiveness And like boundaries And just seeing Healthy relationships relationships. relationships and people just like dealing with their shit Mm -hmm. is one of my favorite things in media.
2: We had a great response to the past two weeks where we've done uh, Myth Chat Monday, which is something we do on Twitter and I extended it over to Facebook last week. So again, if you're now following us at Spirits Podcast, what are you doing? Yeah, guys, come on. What are you doing? But What I would love to do, because you guys inspired us with all your cool hometown urban legends. Y'all have some creepy shit in your hometowns. I love it. I want to do a hometown urban legends listener selection. Yeah. So what you guys can do is you can send us through our email, through our website, on Twitter DM, I guess, if you wanted to. Or Facebook message. Or Facebook message. Send us your
1: stories, and we will read them in an
2: awesome extra bonus episode or whatever.
1: Yeah, let us know if you want us to read your name or just refer to you anonymously or by your first name Uh, but we have so many cool stories to share in our inboxes and we are really really excited but we need enough of them to fill up a whole little bonus episode so send them in yes
0: millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like evan who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds salads generally for most people are the easy button right
1: Much for joining us here on Spirits to tell us what is apparently going to be
3: quite a depressing story about love. You know, it's what I live for—to find happiness and puncture it wherever I possibly can. Nice, good, good. good. I I think
1: that's why we're friends. So I I really appreciate that. Um, But what what is the background to the story? Why why is this something that you decided to bring to us today? So.
3: The origins of this come in, I'm a first generation immigrant, I was actually born in Shanghai in China, I lived there until I was about three before we immigrated to the US, and one of the things that always came up, I grew up in Raleigh, North Carolina, grits forever. Grits forever. <laughs> is, is like, what
1: kind of barbecue you like a question that is divisive? Is that uh, you know No, because people? there's
3: only one correct answer, See, and
1: it's
2: yes. called
3: Eastern Carolina Vinegar-Based Barbecue. Definitely. So that's a yes. Yeah. No. <laughs> Everybody else is wrong. Um... But it, it was always a really interesting exercise in talking about sort of your early cultural influences, like what stories you remember and what sorts of things you imprinted on as like a childish duckling. Yeah. And like a lot of my friends... All children
1: are ducklings. That's that's actually the, the key to child
3: raising. Of course, quack. <laughs> um, but like while my friends were watching Cinderella and like getting a Belle ball gown and things like that, the very first story, like the very first story that I remember consuming as a kid and we're talking about when I was... Three years old at maximum, sitting in front of a crummy television in our apartment in Shanghai, is um, from one of the classics of Chinese literature the uh dream of the red mansions now don't Mm -hmm. worry I'm like not smart I'm still pretty illiterate (laughs) sorry mom like I wasn't reading this book I was watching the 1980s television series of this but that's how we take in our archetypes right like the same sort
1: of idea of like the you know Hansel and Gretel or like the faded love or you know Sleeping Beauty type
3: things it doesn't have to be the source material it's just kind of the archetype that's told over and over again yeah the Uh, the many many interpretations of it like there have been dozens of probably films and attempts to tell this story, which is extremely sweeping. Um, And it's about a wealthy family of imperial courtiers um, in basically in classical China, right? Like during the Ming dynasty, I think is when it is. Again, sorry, mom. I cannot fact check you. It's going to be okay. (laughs) I'm shaming myself on this podcast some more. Again, it's about this massive family, all of their trials, tribulations, and scandals. And the very first memory of storytelling I have as a little kid is of watching the lead female character from this series dying in the snow under a plum tree, mourning her lost love. Who is her cousin? Mm. Who okay, is her lost start, love? Who is her lost love? Because he has been tricked into marrying their other cousin yep. by their family, who has told him that he's marrying the girl of his dreams, who has just died under a plum tree. Classic. Cool. 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 So, and this whole story wraps up many, many chapters later with him running away to be a monk. Uh, the whole family collapsing, and several of his sisters becoming prostitutes, obviously. Nice! So, And before the people listening to this are like, um, actually, I am aware that the original author never finished the story, and that this... Oh, did he, like, die before? Yes. Oh, man. He he ate it before he finished it, and (laughs) somebody else sort of made up their own ending, and it has been only the most controversial thing in Chinese literature ever. There are probably people with, like, 15 PhDs Writing about whether or not this ending is actually valid. I love that shit. That is
2: my favorite
1: thing in the entire world. I love it because it is futile. Like, we'll never know. We will never know if Shakespeare actually authored the plays that he is said to have, or if he had collaborators for more than we think he did. Like, people will, like, get into fistfights over this stuff, (laughs) and historians will, like, snark at each other in the footnotes of their monographs. And, like, that is the kind of stuff I live
3: for. I just find it really fascinating because, as a person, I just don't understand that mentality. Like, okay, why does it matter? The story is the story. Like, it doesn't... It, I, I just can't understand the academic pettiness over this. I, you know what? I totally get that, though. I totally
2: get the academic pettiness. I get the, like, desire for there to be more. Like, there was a really, I'm not going to say shitty book. It was an okay book um, <laughs> called uh, Mr. Penumbra's 24-Hour Bookstore. An okay book, but basically the idea was they were trying to solve this riddle of this guy who wrote down a book and trying to solve what it meant.
1: Yes. Terrible ending. I I thought it was a pretty entertaining book. Okay. So with the pretty bad ending, I'm sorry, Reverend Floon, please love us. (laughs) Uh, But yes, the the whole idea is like, it was like a cult of people almost that sprung up around like solving the mystery of a book. Mm. Right. And that's like a real thing that people do. Like,
2: I just heard about this thing. It was called, it's a book called The Secret. It's not the one about visual, <laughs> visualization. It's
1: not about about manifesting your dreams into reality. No, it's not. So it's about this... But what about, is the secret? It's about what this is guy it? What in... Is the sh- <laughs> this guy in 1987
2: created this book that was 12 or 13 photos and uh, poetry that goes along with it. Okay, and basically Arnie book. Like, basically, he puts out these photos and poetry are clues to these 12 or 13 uh, boxes that I've hidden across uh, North America. If you find the box, wow. there's a key inside. If you bring the key to me, I
1: will give you a jewel that is worth $10,000. Back on back when you just published your address on the internet. I mean, like, that's totally
2: fine. I think you'd have to write in, like, with a photo of the thing, and then he would say. Oh, think right, he just,
3: like, showed up at his doorstep, no, like, I hey... Know. What's yeah, that? this this really shows the differences in personality because I'm mostly sitting here thinking how many jewels worth ten thousand dollars. So many jewels. Personnel. Wow. So uh,
2: only two of the boxes yeah, it's have like been found. that's quite a large advance. Like, yes. God. Yeah. So only two of the boxes have been found. The guy died in 2005 and oh, like no. a somewhat suspicious uh car crash out on long island yeah he's from (gasps) long island of course he
1: is because all the crazy people come from long island um and so just learn german or something right yeah (laughs) Uh,
2: but this guy you know this guy has created this online community of people who are still trying to find these boxes and some of them are really close to being found some of them they have no idea and it's just really cool and it's all about that human idea that People are trying to solve mysteries even if they're not really there.
1: Yeah, and to leave mysteries to be solved, right? Like this guy, you know, died twelve years ago and still people are talking about him and, and trying to solve his puzzle. About it. Pieces of his like you know, life's work are still like buried in the ground somewhere. Uh, I don't know. That's we're we trying we try to achieve permanence by like messing with the order of the universe. Yes. But I'm all about it.
3: I don't know. I think it's one of the more charming elements of humanity. Like we cannot help these sort of idiosyncratic tendencies that we have where we're like, I, this doesn't bother me and then it's just going to bother you and bother you and bother you and, <laughs> you and you just
1: have to solve the question. I know. Oh, There's so many good examples of that. I loved like early internet, you know, text puzzles
3: and, and Oh dear God. Crypt- cryptographic, whatever. All about that. Or like the entire Reddit detective threads, right? Yeah. Like anytime they decide I, I to solve a mystery. I wasn't going to say it
1: because I just find them so pleasurable to read but yes. also it gets super destructive and creepy. So, yes. you know, take it with a grain of salt.
3: Also, FYI, everyone listening to this, the first two seasons of Unsolved Mysteries is now on Amazon Prime. Knock yourselves <laughs> out, kiddos. Tip for to you. There's actually a lot of really beautiful imagery associated with her like very early on in the story and she's like 14 at this age. She's like burying plum blossoms that have fallen where she talks about how tragic it is and how fleeting beauty and youth are. It's a metaphor. Yeah, and she just mourns it. Anyway, she eats it at 16. Oh, Classic girl. Chinese. It's what we do. <laughs>
1: well, Juliet was also like 12 or something. I know, it's really upsetting. It's I try <laughs> not to. The second someone told me that I was like, oh no, why'd you go and do that? Yeah, I know. Like, <laughs> I don't like this
2: anymore. <laughs> or like, Amanda and I just went to see uh, Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812 and they're like oh she's 16 I'm like why? Why yeah. is this thing happening? It's a musical happening? about like
1: war and peace and a woman who is betrothed and like has her first like you know sexual of awakening. sexuality right and it's like oh no and then uh, and then like, just fucks everything a like, married courtier <laughs> like takes advantage of her and and anyway it's, it's classic like Russian tragedy of course but yeah why I, I don't know at 15 I was like Painting my nails blue. I wasn't like, like, a, like a tragic nymph dying for true love.
3: I don't know. I feel like <laughs> at 15 was around the, around the age I spent a year convinced I was a lesbian because I was so into Dana Scully. You know, we've all
1: been
2: there. We've well, like, so we all been there. there.
1: Yeah. I
3: if mean, I had known the X-Files before 21, <laughs> that
1: too would have been my
3: fate. I was like, I remember really distinctly watching a number of episodes, and I was like, well, I guess I'm gay. Like, she's definitely
1: the best part of the show, this and I'm just obsessed now. with her. Yeah, yeah, and uh, uh, it's just, she's so good. I know, and I spend all phases. day fantasizing even, about how
3: pretty she is. Even this the makes sense. sense. <sighs> with those,
2: those
1: shoulder pads. Big shoulder pads,
3: oh, man. It's such just, an aggressive just, look.
1: I, on the other hand, like, everyone wants that those shoulder pads to be off of you. Like, let's just get you out of those shoulder pads, on. You know, like, <laughs> that works out best for everybody. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god okay speaking of love yeah. good transition Go good ahead. transition right smooth love out. plums and shoulder pads That's right spirits podcast <laughs> so speaking of love the actual story i ended up deciding that i would come here and tell is probably the most famous chinese love story of all time nice um and it hilariously has very little western footprint at all good um so, this is called Liangzu in Chinese, which is the surnames of the two characters in question. And it's probably more famously known as the Butterfly Lovers, which is actually the name of a piece of music that was composed about their tragic love story afterward. Obviously, it was tragic. Um, I was going to say it sounds like
1: a Coldplay song. <laughs> sounds tragic AF.
3: <laughs> yeah. And the other really interesting thing about this story is that it forms like a template for a lot of things that you will see in Asian storytelling, particularly in Chinese storytelling. In in even modern day things and you'll just like listen to the story and go down a checklist of like yep 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 cross-dressing weirdness terrible families Yay! death like all of this stuff comes up yeah That's like awesome.
1: you you listen to a story at the beginning you're like
3: well i, I guess we're not done yet same we've yeah. from the cross-dressing mm-hmm. <laughs> like obsessive tiger mom focus on education yeah it's already here um <laughs> So, just to get us started, our lead characters are Zhu Ying Tai, which is our girl, so we'll call her Ying Tai for the course of the story, cool. and our dude is named Liang um, and we'll just call him Sanpua. So, the background is Zhu Ying Tai is actually the daughter of an extremely wealthy family. Um, so, some- like she has a lot to lose. <laughs> sounds like it. She's the daughter of an extremely wealthy family, but her mother is extremely well educated, and she wants the same for her daughter. And also, if she's going to be anybody's wife, she needs to be a very erudite one. So the only way, of course, to get her sort of beyond the traditional female education of, like, some poetry and embroidery and things like that... Let me guess. Cross-dressing? Yes. Yes! So her mom binds her breasts, teaches her how to dress up like a boy, and they send her off to... um, like a boys' school, uh, and she lives as a man for several years wow. studying there. Now, while she is at the school, she meets Liang Sanbo, who is actually the poor scholarship student. Yes. Like, he is there yes. on merit alone, and she <laughs> is like, so excited. You were just off every
2: like, part of, if I was writing fan fiction, this would be what I would be writing about. I mean, yeah. just wait oh. for
3: it. So, poor scholarship boy and the two of them form this tremendous friendship. Now, there are different versions of how this goes. Some stories tell that, some versions of the story say that he figured out Ying Tai was actually a girl earlier on before she ever left the school. It wasn't gay, guys, don't worry, it wasn't gay. Yeah, (laughs) and other versions say that he didn't realize until later when he decided to pay a visit to her family. But either way, the two of them fall passionately in love. So the challenge here is the following. He is dirt poor and a nobody. And she, because of both birth and her family's aspirations, is really fated for a very, very a very high level marriage to which that he right. could never aspire to. So one of the things that's also important to know for the context of this story is that China was one of the first countries in the world that had a civil service exam. Yeah So it
2: even though he yeah,
1: fucking nerd. administrated so well
3: Amanda God. remembers
2: that from world
1: history and that's about it. I do. Nerd <laughs> shit for life. Um, so the paperwork is always what got me. It's real good. It's real good. The war is like whatever, whatever. <laughs> Get back to the paperwork. I love
3: it. So <laughs> even if some Wu was dirt poor and came from nothing, he could test into to the bureaucracy and eventually holds ever higher levels of power within the government based solely on his wits. So his plan was that he was going to take the civil service exam and place really high. Um, then I assume that he doesn't because you said that's what his plan was. Well, he's going to place really high and then he's going to take his newly acquired bureaucratic status and the promise of future advancement and then go to her family and ask for her hand in marriage. Makes sense. Good so plan. the version that I always grew up with was they discussed this. This was their plan. So after Ying he had been taken home by her family... So the plan was that he was going to take this exam and he was going to score really high. He was going to become a high-level bureaucrat. And then he was going to go to her family and ask for her hand in marriage. After Ying Tai gets taken home by her family, she's awaiting his arrival. And he's going home to study for this test. Sounds like something's going go real wrong.
2: Something's going to go wrong. The family's going... Mike, I, I want to take a guess. The family is going to have someone waiting for her to get married to. Before he's able to take Hit his her, test.
3: before he can ding, get in, yes. yes. So <laughs> when she gets home, when she Air gets horn. home, the family already has someone in mind, of obviously yes. that they would like her to marry, and she is ardently against this right she is very upfront saying that like she has fallen in love with someone else yeah that he is taking the exam right now he's going to be the top scorer and then he'll be a bureaucrat and he'll be totally worthy of her screw you guys i'm gonna marry my boyfriend also like
1: it must have been so trippy having lived as a man for several years and like Enjoying that male privilege like, yeah. like having your opinion count for stuff You know you can't just step back from that It's
3: it's a little bit different than that So I would say that she did enjoy male privilege While she was living as a man But I don't know if her opinion counted for much Because the way the tutelage happened In like the school Is very much the same way That Chinese schools still run today Where it's like a lot of memorization And people are mean to you Yes Gotcha
1: So huh? she just Like the, the card to enter Was just Yeah the, the I mean she dress. But
3: she was also away from home Right yeah. You have to understand understand that like these um, daughters of really wealthy households oftentimes never left the curated gardens of their homes. Yeah. So she not only saw the world, she saw the world unfettered by her family. And she couldn't be monitored, you know, she didn't have to embroider anything for years. Amazing. <laughs> just just skipped on those embroidery lessons. I know. All she got to she got to like
1: learn. Like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, lots of things. God, wearing so pants, pants. Every every day I put on my pants I go, thank you four mothers. Yes, exactly.
3: <laughs> so she's sitting there fighting the good fight trying to like hold out on this relationship while he's taking the exam. And of course, he scores really high. He gets a great posting. But when he brings his meager bride gift to the family to try and make his appeal, her family is like, no effing thank you. (laughs) And basically run him out of town and throw him into a ditch and have a bunch of people beat the crap out of him. Damn, son, that's violent. Just say no. Just no no. and don't come back. I know, it's very rude. Um, So he eventually gets you know like collected out of his ditch and dragged back home. <laughs> oh, that's nice. And dragged back home, but he's basically destroyed as a person. Like he's very injured, he's heartbroken. Oh. And she's also furious because obviously she knows that they've hurt her true love and her family doesn't care at this point. They're like he's out of the he's out of the way. We've agreed to this marriage contract with this other wealthy person, so we are going to make this happen. Um and while She's still trying to fight this as much as she can and hold out. He, unfortunately, gets an infection and dies from oh. his injuries. Yeah. Dies of his injuries. And his poor mother, who is the only surviving member of his family. Oh,
1: God. Already
3: widowed. Only son. Ugh. I know. Just to, like, Just t- that's twist it. the knife Just that's a little. It. That's it. Buries him. Now, traditional Chinese... To give you some um, a visual on this, traditional Chinese... Burials are not like a flat grave or a mausoleum. They typically do a mound burial. So it's like a giant mound of earth and there'll be like a little concrete... Board, like right in front of it with the mm-hmm, name and mm-hmm. where you can leave offerings and things like that. So when Ying Tae hears this, she's obviously completely heartbroken. She starts crying. She doesn't stop crying. So during this point, her parents are like, whatever, her guy is dead. So let's start preparing the marriage. Oh, no. So all throughout the process. Don't, don't mind the crying bride in yeah, the corner. be you know a know little part. upset for Ugh. her, please. Ugh. So all the while she's crying, she's crying, she's crying. They're doing the marital preparations and her mother at this point is starting to feel a little bit of guilt about the way this entire cool situation has gone down. Um, and she basically says to her daughter, you know, the night before they're about to send off her wedding pelican <laughs> to her new husband, like, Wait, I'm sorry. What was that word? Wedding you just pelican? Because that's what I heard. I heard. I heard wedding pelican. I'm like,
2: I'm sorry. Is this like
1: a thing that I don't yeah,
2: know? Yeah, we about? just like
3: stick a girl in the mouth. And no, like, I was like, like,
1: okay, so like, like the wedding gifts have to be small to fit in the pelican's mouth. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. No, no, the no. wedding pelican. Like okay, pelican. A wedding pelican. <laughs> just to clarify, what, what is that?
3: It's um. Gosh, I you know what? That's a really interesting question that I don't know how to explain. It's basically in Chinese it's called a chaizi, but it's like a man powered like um just a man- litter. It's it's like a litter but it's like you have a little booth like, you sit inside of a little yeah. booth, okay. and there's, like, okay. two... Like, so four guys carry you. Okay. Right. Yeah.
1: That that probably actually is the word for it, but I just never knew that before. I mean, it's a very fancy version of a litter. I just remembered why I knew that word, and
2: it's because of Steven Universe, and we can move on now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we must not have gotten there yet in our
2: rewatch. No, we haven't. It was, like, one of the most recent episodes. Mm. It's good.
3: All okay, right. sorry. Right. So, um, they're getting ready to send her off on her wedding palakin soon, they're like, how can we make you stop crying? Like... Yeah, I feel sort of bad that- Bring back my love. As a consequence of my choices, you are suffering. <laughs> so Ying agrees. She basically says, like, look, I will consent to this marriage, but my last request is this. On the way to my new husband's home, I want the wedding palanquin to go past Sembo's grave because I want to burn some money for him, and I want to say my last respects. Julia's shaking her nope. head vociferously. Nope, 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 nope. nope. this is a bad nope. idea.
1: Just bad. Just, no. just close the wound. Just she's close so, the door. She's
3: so narratively intelligent. Oh. God, This is what she's
1: here for. That is what I'm here for. <laughs> you just know. I'm, I'm here to mishear words and make jokes about them.
3: <laughs> to be fair,
1: I did interrupt with Pelican first. I'm glad it wasn't go, just you. I, I think you saw me go,
0: What?
3: <laughs> They have wedding pelicans? (laughs) Both important skills. How good would that be? I mean, the best part of this is I don't actually know whether or not pelicans are native to China at all. (laughs) I don't know that either. Um, I will Google it later. (laughs) (laughs) We'll put it in the show notes. Um, So, her mother agrees. She thinks this is fine. Fine enough. We'll do this. And so, the wedding procession goes. On the day of the procession, she comes out of the wedding pelican. And Chinese weddings... You don't wear white. You wear red. It's because there once was a really greedy god who liked to steal all the hot chicks on their wedding day, and the only color that he can't see through is red. Love it. It's wonderful. Yeah, I love it. I did it. It's fantastic. When if you only seen...
1: there was like a style of clothing that Zeus didn't like.
3: I know. You know, so you can just... <laughs> Zeus just liked. Women and yeah. suddenly, like and some, is and spread some guys across. and some well, yeah. Zeus is like can't stop, won't stop when it comes to him. Oh, it's I just love like it. I love it. I'm a swan now. Let's fuck. <laughs> I'm a swan. I'm a bull. Let me pee on you. Like let's just make it all happen, guys. <laughs> it wasn't. Let me pee on you. To be fair, he was literally a golden shower. <laughs> is but that I, better or is no, that worse? It's
1: not better, but at
2: least it's not urine. <laughs> That's what you think. I mean, yeah.
1: So our main girl is wearing red, and she's not married yet, right? No, like she's she, on her she's way to on be the married. Way to the this way. is
2: like her taking the limo to the church,
1: yeah. but stopped at a, the limo at the, the graveyard burst. on the way to the just, church. Just your quick little stop off at the graveyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this you is like, like a really interesting
3: nope. mental image that you're creating here, where like this girl climbs out of a bird's mouth, like <laughs> in <where> her, She's <laughs>
1: riding it, like riding it, and and the, um, all the stuff, like her her like wedding. What do you call that? The, for um, I guess. Like like the chest of important things.
0: Oh, dowry chest? Chest? the dowry
1: chest. Yeah, dowry, yeah, like the dowry chest of the hope chest is like in the pelican's mouth. Nice. Anyway, uh, that's just me. This um. is some serious <laughs> Ghibli
3: shit happening right now. Oh listen, God. listen.
1: My brain spins this shit out immediately. It's upon all gold. Mishearing it's it. All gold. It's uh, All gold. However, uh, the kind of like visiting the graveyard on the way to a happy thing. Uh, my family does all the time. Like my my grandparents on my Irish side are buried in like <laughs> oh in like this sat uh, in, in the town where all my cousins and aunts and uncles have gotten married and like all. All the cousins have been baptized, and their kids have been christened. Whatever. It's The most and Irish thing you ever do. And so, on the way to the wedding of the baptism, you just stop off at the graveyard so hi a grandma and grandpa trim the shrub and
3: continue on your way. Shrub in your wedding dress or tux. Do you like yeah. pause, commemorate a potato famine? Like, what is this? Like,
1: <laughs> this is amazing. No, they 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 died after just. Fleeing like economic depression. Oh, okay, but, that's different. But like you do, but you know, you just you just stop off, say hi, go. And I didn't realize it was a weird thing until this moment. Yeah, it's a it's, little. You know, weird it's,
2: not, it's not weird. It's it's eccentric. I can't remember the last time I went to a graveyard like with a specific
3: you should come with purpose. Me next time. No, we thank have a you. baptism
2: coming up soon. They make me real awkward. <laughs> how,
3: do I, how do I respond to this? <laughs> Anyways anyway, just yeah, like anyway. That. So she climbs out of her wedding pelican. She's in front of the burial mound of her best beloved, okay. and she's still wearing all the red of her uh, wedding. Uh. But in China, whereas red is the color that you wear to get married, white is actually the color of mourning. So she pulls off her veil, her red veil and she pulls off the red overcoat of her wedding gown and she's wearing all white and full mourning underneath. Yes. And she runs out to the grave where everyone thinks she's just going to be burning some paper money so that he has it in the afterlife or whatever. Oh no, does she throw no, herself no, on no. the grave and kill herself? No, she doesn't because oh. this is China and we is extra TM. So instead... <laughs> The grave opens. (gasps) Oh, yes! And she throws herself into it, and it closes behind her. I am all about that! That is so good! And And the the version of the story that I grew up with is that there was no trace of her. Like she just, the grave consumed her so that she could be with her love and that their souls turned into a pair of butterflies and that they flitted off together. Yes. Yes. I'm so about this story. I love that. And I I also, I
1: love stories where like the elemental forces are on our hero's side
3: yeah, and I think it's one of those things that's really interesting where, yes, it's a very human story, obviously, but it also has this underlying, elemental is really a good way to say it, like an elemental mysticism, because there's not really going to be the intervention of a specific god or goddess. It's just that the forces of karmic fate are going to be aware that some things need to be righted. Um and so like this is one of the very first love stories that I grew up consuming. And that yes. I sounds like very realistic expectations for you. I know. I mean, yeah. like, if I don't find a man who is willing to get the shit beaten out of him by my family and then have a grave that will consume me so we can be together forever, it is just not, not gonna work worth it. Also, not let's not just observe
1: out. her epic like day-to-night transition of the like <laughs> wedding yes. fi- finery to like dying in your dress outfit. to haunt you thereafter.
2: Yeah, so she's, good. She's all
3: about it. she's 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 turned up to 11. She is. Yeah, she is. Yeah. The
2: story is turned up to 11. Yeah. Let's be real I here. I love it.
3: Yeah, It would have been 12 if there were pelicans.
2: <laughs> it would have been 12 if there were pelicans. So
3: this is one of those stories that's very similar to, like, Romeo and Juliet has mm-hmm. in terms of Western canon, where you can see echoes of it in everything, but yeah. it's also been reinterpreted in a in a million different ways. There, were, there was, like, a movie made in Hong Kong in, like, the 90s, which is what I grew up watching a lot of. There have been other movies made subsequently. There have been t- television series. It's been told a million and a half times, and it's always this... Um, this template story about a sheltered girl who, freed from the confines of her female requirements, falls in love with someone, and it's always this like there's always this weird sort of subtext of like it's not gay because she's actually a girl, but it's yeah. also interesting. <laughs> is my right? favorite of all subtexts. <laughs> but it's also really interesting, right? That like a that education plays such a fundamental role yeah, in this, and also and also the loss of your female requirements, like the loss of like the rules around being a woman is what actually let her fall so passionately in love and that they developed this abiding relationship when, you know, sexual love may or may not have even been part of the initial conversation. So strong and so pure.
1: Right. And so, and so worth waiting for. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's also some, some element of like, uh, freed from expectation yes uh the the bonds that you make and the things that you discover are so much like purer and stronger yeah because like they wouldn't have been in the same room together Mm -hmm. if you know there wasn't some scholarship for him to get into that room where he wasn't supposed to be and if she hadn't you know elaborately uh fooled the system to get into a room where she also wasn't supposed to be
3: yeah and i think that but what fundamentally brings it back down to the very sort of like depressingly earthy Chinese interpretation of things is that even though like at no point in the story, do you think that their love is foolish or misguided? Like you feel for them. Like these two people are genuinely in love, but that doesn't change the fundamental reality that they can never be together on this Mm. earthly plane. Like he is not meant for her. She is not meant for him. There was no way it was ever going to happen, but they do find a way to be together and it is in death just not on the earthly plane yeah and it's different than Romeo and Juliet where they in a weird way and I mean like this is coming from many years later from first having heard the story but like it almost feels like you read the story you're like they're 14 they're really impetuous like they're making these foolish decisions to kill themselves without having any real
1: understanding of the consequences just trusting some friar in the woods getting their timing all mixed up and like Yeah. yeah like they create their own tragedy
3: yeah whereas he dies as a consequence of like this plan that they had shared, but just as a tragic side effect of it, and then she makes the deliberate act that this is this is the fate she chooses. Oh. So, as tragic as it is, at least they made this with their eyes open and not being fourteen years old, too yeah. dumb to live.
1: And in and in so much Shakespeare, like human. Um... Uh, faults and kind of misguided plans meet with, like, the irony of fate. Mm-hmm. So, like, you'll make a plan with best intentions and, and fate will intervene so that the the plan goes wrong and fate steps in, like, in the right way to make your wrongness, like, extremely, you know, narratively, Uh, suitable but here like the plan was sound the family's rationale was reasonable and like everyone just acted in their best interests it wasn't like a like the the horse carts missed each other you know or like the letters didn't get there in time like it was you know just just not possible given the you know the society they were living in
2: yes Sorry, I have a question really quick. Um, is there any sort of subtext to the story or, like, implied if she had just uh, maintained in her place and had not, like, overstepped her female boundaries
3: that, like, this tragedy wouldn't have happened? I find I mean, it could be, right? Because I've grown up with these stories, like, third hand through movies and from mm. my parents' retellings. But I find it difficult to think that's intended right? because there's no way the story could have happened at all if she had ever stayed within her female boundaries. He wasn't like their groundskeeper. Yeah, I just wanted to make sure it wasn't like a cautionary tale because I feel like that would have taken away from the story. I, 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 I definitely feel like it isn't. I don't feel like there's I think the interesting thing about a lot of stories that I grew up with is that they're aren't there isn't like a moral attached to this you know what i mean it's complicated and sometimes sad (laughs) yeah there's like nothing like you hear the story like what do you learn out of it it's like everyone can sometimes do their best and as you said act in their best interest in ways that make sense and things can still end up in horrible configurations that are genuinely sad That you're you look at it and you're like this was sort of unavoidable Mm -hmm. right like there was nothing you could do about this well maybe if she stayed in her proper female role this wouldn't have happened they wouldn't have met but her mother was the one who was wanting, and her parents right. were the ones who yeah. agreed that she should go to this school. It's not like she ran away to do it. Right. She did it with their full consent and encouragement. Yeah, and from the parents' point of view, they're like, well, you just had a dope education. Like, I'm so glad you had this great
1: relationship, but, like, now now we're back. You know, yeah. now we're, like, living our Focus lives. Focus up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, you know, again, everyone's acting in their best interest and, yeah. and sad anyway.
3: Yeah. it's It was, so it was really interesting to me when I got to the States, and all the stories were, like, Everyone is alive
0: at the end of this.
3: <laughs> Wait, people get married can, at the end of this? You can try years? and it works. Like. Yeah, like this. This is this is all very simplistic to me.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> One character died and he got trampled by uh, by wildebeest. wildebeest?
1: <laughs> weird. What are you guys referencing? Uh, lion the Lion King. King,
3: Amanda. I haven't
1: seen this since, like, 1995. Oh, okay. So. You
3: need to revisit that, because there probably. is nothing like watching lions fall in love and being like, am I a furry? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I a a is, a furry now. this is a little upsetting. Like, there's a scene where they're, like, making bedroom eyes at each other, and I was like, Your cats.
2: you're cats. like, why do I find Matthew Broderick as a lion hot? It's just, it's just, <laughs> it's like, happening. really
3: it's really upsetting, because when you're an adult, you're like, these are animals. Right. That's
2: like everyone's like, wow, the animated Fox Robin Hood is really hot. I'm like, mm, at least he's
1: somewhat humanoid.
2: Right. No, I
3: think that would mess a lot of people up. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I think a
1: lot, lot of people... guys no judgment. If that's your thing, that's your thing. I'm just saying, not not mine.
3: It's also uh-huh. problematically reinforced I by Zootopia. No, yes. that, didn't. that didn't make it right? worse. Nick Wilde is foxy mm. and you're like hey, he's, a, he's a cartoon fox I put, this that is together. Good. put that together this is bad
1: Oh, uh, boy. I have a feeling that media was very influential to your like imprinting on romantic uh, objects.
2: <laughs> I'm going to show my hand as a 12-year-old anime fan Oh my, my god, Yes, Great. I want to hear this so much. Um, here for this. Because this story sounds a lot like Orin High School uh, Host Club. Like, this does not sound like oh Oran well, High School okay. Host Club at all. But the beginning part where it's the, the yes, cross-dressing okay. and uh, the scholarship student okay. and them falling in love even though one's a dude and one's a yes. girl. Oh, so she's, she's the man. a man. She's totally gender-fluid and it's <laughs> awesome awesome (laughs) but there's also like that idea of like sexuality and also difference where she's
1: the man doesn't have that so much she's the man
2: there's no scholarship kid and you know yeah yeah
1: right the the kind of class dynamics aren't there Uh, we, Julie and I did guest star on a fabulous podcast called Loose Canon, which is about like underappreciated movies that aren't in the film canon, but should be, uh, where we, we got mad deep into the gender roles in She's the Man.
3: She's the Man is a classic film that is truly underappreciated. I so agree.
1: I would love for you to listen to our episode and let us know what we missed. (laughs) We, I walked in there with like
3: six pages of cited notes. We watched it. I saw Amanda
2: taking notes as we were watching. I'm like, yes, into
3: it. So I cannot, I finally found my people. Like, I only know one other person who genuinely and unironically loves that movie it's It's fucking amazing it's just chew like you have a secret is just one of like the greatest lines
1: of my life it's like it's Amanda Bynes in the perfect role Mm -hmm. right like physical comedy a little bit soulful funny like she's pure like and just like so into what it is that she's doing like it's like a perfect Tatum's
3: simple dog humanity yes. is yes. like baby so Channing Tatum.
1: perfect for that per- person role. Person golden retriever Channing Tatum. Oh my God, it's
0: <laughs> There's <laughs> so much
1: like good friend supporting. There's enough like, you know, uh, uh, like I don't know what's called situational com- or yes. not situational comedy, but like going in opposite doors, like oh no, we're gonna find each other, like running in and out, like Boeing Boeing style,
3: oh or um, something
1: farce, I guess.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah I guess yeah. farcical. Also, but, like, like
3: one uh, of the greatest, like oh now you can have a crush on her. Screw you guys, I hate high school. Yes. Oh, that is like only so the good best line. line ever. Like Ugh. it, it, it
1: both is and respects and calls the fuck out of the like high school like dramedy com, you yes. know, like romance
3: relationship like, movie.
2: Real good for early two thousands movie. it yeah. was
3: hashtag pure, and also it was.
1: there was a little bit policing of bodies, but other than that, yeah,
2: excellent yeah.
3: movie. Yes
1: there was a little bit of like, gender policing. Yeah. Um, other than, like, it was the you know, like early 2000s. Otherwise, I did pretty well. Yeah. Otherwise, Diva Cross meant well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I forgot, you forgot he was in that for a second, didn't you? Oh my you? God. We'll, we'll link our episode of Loose Cannon, but if, if nothing else, show notes. <laughs> if nothing else, folks, uh, go watch She's the Man at Your Earliest Convenience. <laughs> Please
3: do. And also, I will try to find the IMDb link to the 90s version of this movie, which I think is probably one of the better versions oh. of the movie about the butterfly lovers. Yeah. So, if anyone is interested, you can try to hunt that film down. Were the butterflies red and white? No, they were both, um, this pale celadon green. Ooh. Ooh, Were they like Like lunamoths? Pardon? Like (laughs) (laughs) Madison Newgrass. I said
2: moths (laughs) because Um, that's a thing. I don't know what those are. Oh, they're like these bright green, uh, like butterflies basically that have sort of like a long...
3: I, they don't have tails. Okay. It's, it's probably like a very pale green. I'll and show I you said, a picture
1: of the Luna Mockery okay, yeah. again. Uh, two things. One, I said new grass, like the kind of metaphor of like starting anew and, oh, and like new okay. plants and things. That was cute. Uh, thank you. But also, Luna is the name of a wonderful YA novel by Julie Ann Peters about uh, a transgender teenager and one of the first books I ever read about like gender nonconforming conforming and, and trans youth. I think you gave that to me to read. I don't remember anything about it. But... She wrote several really good books. Was this I- recently? Nope, it was in, like, the early aughts or mid-aughts. Oh, aughts. wow. Julie Ann Peters. Yeah, you were
2: reading them early.
1: Yeah, there was, like, one LGBTQ shelf at our library, and I read, I read the read fuck all out of them. that single <laughs> shelf. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Linda, for coming, and uh, not depressing us exactly, but, you know, getting us interested in this, like, <laughs> fundamental... I was expecting a fundamental lot ...fundamental Yeah, I was expecting, like, just, like,
3: blood slaying all over the place yeah, like ruining bloodlines curses it's more it's less about gore when it comes to like uh, what i call a very specific chinese sadness it's less about gore and it's about this like deep knowing that you can never be truly happy <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm in his face right now. this face is so <laughs> she's just like Oh, we can all best way to describe it, it was crystallized right then. <laughs> it was a
3: moment of existential it, sadness. It is, the, it is the emotional <laughs> equivalent of pressing on a bruise. That's oh, the way that Chinese oh, no. fiction should feel.
1: Well, on that note, listeners, stay creepy.
3: Stay cool. <laughs> Bye.
1: <laughs> was created by Julia Shafini and me, Amanda McLaughlin. It's edited by Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Subscribe to Spirits on your preferred podcast app to make sure you never miss an
2: episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Tumblr at Spirits Podcast.
1: On our Patreon page, patreon.com/spiritspodcast, you can sign up for exclusive content like behind-the-scenes photos, audio extras, director's commentary, blooper reels, and beautiful recipe cards with custom drink and snack pairings. If
2: you like the show, please share with your friends and leave us a review on iTunes. It really does help. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Till next time.